0: Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our text for our sermon is John chapter 15, verses 18 through 25. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, for that very reason, the world hates you. Remember the saying I told you: A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you too. If they held on to my word, they will hold on to yours as well. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. This was to fulfill the word which was written in the law. They hated me for no reason. This is the word of our Lord. When God created Adam and Eve, he gave them the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And without eating of it, it gave them that knowledge. It would be evil to bite to that fruit. But he warned them, whenever you eat of it, you will die. The devil lied to them. They ate of it. They immediately spiritually died. They lost the image of God and they would suffer physical death. Now, when God approached them and calls them to account, Adam passes the buck to Eve, Eve passes the buck to the serpent who had deceived her. And God says those wonderful words, some of the strongest and most important words spoken in all of the Bible, but especially in the Old Testament, that's recorded in Genesis 3, verse 15. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head and you will crush his heel." The one he's talking about, this is clearly a prophecy of the virgin birth, although we wouldn't realize that without the New Testament clarity, but the I'll put enmity between you and the woman, that hostility. See, Adam and Eve, when they were duped by the devil and they ate of that forbidden fruit and they lost the image of God, They didn't see God as their loving, beneficial God. They saw him as their enemy. So with death came hatred. And with our savior, we see Jesus has come to eliminate that hatred. The devil had rebelled against God and had no reason to rebel or hate God, but God cast him down. Adam and Eve had no reason to hate God, but they had lost his image. And John three sixteen spells out what it's all about, which is the, 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 the gospel in, in a summary in the New Testament, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The devil and this life is hate, but God is love. And so he took on human flesh. As we continue the theme, Christ overcomes death for us, Today, we add to that theme by overcoming its baseless hatred. Our text begins, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me first. The world hates God. It especially hates Jesus Christ, the son of God begotten in all eternity. Why? Well, you know, when you begin John's gospel at John chapter one, verse one, John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And John continues to explain that through Jesus, all things were made and apart from him, nothing was made that has been made. But when you get to verses four and five of John's gospel of the first chapter, we're told of Jesus in him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. The light is shining in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. See, with that hatred, that darkness is ignorance. And that ignorance, you know, people tend to hate what they don't know, what they're not familiar with. And when you're in the darkness, you're a slave to the devil. And when you're a slave to the devil, you can't help but to hate God. But the life came. He's shown his light upon us to show us, you're in the dark, you're walking zombies. This is where you're in the condition you're at. This life's over and it leads to eternal death because you're not alive in me. But he is the life. In fact, at the same table that Jesus is speaking these words, this is after he's instituted the Lord's supper, but before he goes to the garden of Gethsemane, after Judas has left, In John chapter 14, verse six, which was one of our texts in this series, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why am I emphasizing that Jesus is the life? Death came because Adam and Eve fell into sin. Along with that came hatred. Do you think that death or the devil likes life? Death is the opposite of life. When Christ comes with his light that we were just reading in in John chapter one, verses four and five, and he shines his light upon us, then he gives us that new life, that new person. And that's torturous to death because it's completely its opposite. Now, our text continues telling us in verse 23, the one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. This was to fulfill the word which is written in their law. They hated me for no reason. And here is the reasonless, the baseless hatred that comes, that you and I have in our natural condition as slaves to the devil. But Jesus' miracles that he did testified that he is true God who became true man to give us eternal life now so that we will have life in paradise with God uh, when Christ returns. But... Those miracles when he met, for example, three years prior to this night, give or take a day, with Nicodemus, who was a member of the Sanhedrin, he was one of two men who spoke against the railroad job of Jesus. But Nicodemus had already told him in John chapter three, we know that you're from God because no one could do the miracles and signs you're doing unless they were sent by God. The Sanhedrin knew it three years earlier, but do you know what really solidified to them when they said, we have to extinguish the life, we have to murder him? It was when he raised Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus from the grave, he'd been in the tomb four days. His body had been rotting, there was no formaldehyde. If you have a heart attack and, and you die there on the table or whatever, they can hit you with the defibrillators and that. They can bring you back to life if you haven't been dead very long, but four days and not have your rotten everything to have all that healed. Jesus had brought life where there was death and they could not stand that because that made it clear he is the savior and they knew it and they plotted his murder. Now, remember, Jesus goes voluntarily. It looks like he's murdered, but he uses their hatred so that he could end up on the cross. But he says there in verse 23, the one who hates me also hates my father. They weren't just rejecting Jesus. They were rejecting the Holy Spirit who would give them faith that he's true God. They knew he was true God. He couldn't do those miracles unless he was sent by God. And yet they hated the fact that God's the father had sent him. And so they're rejecting the father. God is triune. You can't pick and choose and say, oh, I'll go ahead and believe in the father and love him. But never mind the Holy Spirit or never mind Jesus. Uh Huh? So we can't turn around and say, well, Jesus is just a prophet or a wise teacher. That's hatred for the whole Trinity because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one God, yet three distinct persons. Christ took on human flesh to overcome death's hatred for God. And I say death's hatred, that's the hatred we naturally have unless Christ gives us life. We see that hatred, especially spelled out as Jesus is being nailed to the cross. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus said, "'Father, forgive them, "'for they do not know what they are doing.'" There he still continues to pour out his love. He will let himself be pierced so that he could win the forgiveness for the sins of those who hated them. And if you and I were alive, we would have hated him then too until his Holy Spirit gave us faith. And then it would overcome our hatred of God and our sins would be forgiven. So Christ overcomes death for us, overcoming its baseless hatred by overcoming its hatred for God, literally connecting us to himself so we have God's love. Now in verse 18, our first verse of this text, Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me first. Notice what he's pointing out. Every one of the apostles that were there that night, when Jesus said these words will be martyred. Now, John is the only one who will die of natural causes, but he's gonna be one of the first ones to receive a beating for refusing to deny God's love. And it'll be the Sanhedrin that orders that beating. And so we see that the world hated them because they're Jesus' disciples. And we could say the same for you. In verse 19, we're told, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, for that very reason, the world hates you." Now, one of the things I really want you to pick up in in here is when he says, but I have chosen you out of it. There are many, many Bible passages, especially in the New Testament, that teach the doctrine called predestination or election. And the doctrine of predestination said God chose you. And in this one, it uses a different verb, but that verb really is to call out for oneself. God didn't call you out for for you to make the decision. God called you out for him to be his brother and sister. So it's to pick someone out from a wider group. In this case, it's out of the world. There's tremendous comfort here You see, you're not of this world. You and I were when we were conceived in our natural condition, but God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had ruled over all time and creation to have you born in your specific circumstances where you would hear the word and be brought to faith. And at that moment, you became a resident alien of this world. You're a foreigner here. You are but a stranger here. Heaven is your home. You are God's child. You're not of this world because the triune God has predestined you. He's made you his child, he chose you. Now, let me add a couple of errors in predestination that are very common. John Calvin had to apply logic and it makes perfectly good logic to say, if God predestined you to be saved, then he must have predestined your neighbor to be damned to hell. But that's not what scripture teaches. Scripture makes it clear God wants all people to be saved. It's not a two-sided coin, human logic fails there. The other way is what's really popular in America today. And it's a work righteous thing. It's the idea that you must make your decision for Christ. That is just as much work righteousness. That's when you claim to be righteous enough to earn your salvation. That is just as work righteous as the indulgences that Luther spoke up against. But here we have one of many texts that make it abundantly clear, not because you were so lovable while you were still hating the world, Christ had planned out and had chose you to be his child. So he overcomes the world's baseless hatred for you because the triune God has predestined you to be his brother and sister, to be his child. Verse 20 continues, Remember the saying I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you too. If they held on to my word, they will hold on to yours as well. Martin Luther wisely said that you're like a donkey. Either the devil is riding you and that's the natural condition when you don't have faith. And he has the reins, he has control over you. And in that natural condition, you won't serve God. You'll be serving the devil and you'll think it's the best thing. And you'll hate the devil. Now, you'll love the devil without even realizing it. Now, Luther just made the analogy of the reins, but he says you're either being ridden by the devil who has the reins or God who has the reins. And there's no in-between. There's no neutral stance. But Jesus here makes it very clear that you're his servant. Now, the devil would like you to think that loving God, that's that's slavery. But actually, the true slavery is when the devil's writing you. Cause he's writing you to make sure you end up in hell and he does not want you being called out of this world. But when God called you out, just like he called out the disciples to go out and proclaim the good news of God. So because God has put his love in your heart and you love God because you're already saved, you can't keep your mouth shut about it. Your faith shines through. You serve the Lord by hearing his word where you actually receive all the benefits. And if you love your neighbor and don't wanna see them in hell, you share the good news of salvation with them. And so Christ overcomes this world's hatred for you because he has made it that you are no longer of this world because you are God's child. You serve the triune God and you cannot serve the triune God unless you're his child. You serve out of love, not out of obligation, not out of slavery like you were underneath the devil. Jesus says in verse 21, but they will do all these things to you on account of my name because they do not know the one who sent me. Now, the Father's the one who sent him. The Holy Spirit is the one who sent him. He, and, and according to their plan before Adam and Eve ever fell into sin, had made this plan to save us. Although they didn't plan for Adam and Eve to fall into sin. Don't mistake that. But listen, to that. it's on account of his name we can go through all of Christ's names, but the two big ones, Jesus, it's from the Hebrew word that means savior. And the name Christ, it's from the Greek word that means anointed. He's the one that was anointed to save you. But the amazing thing here is, when I was a kid, I would write my name on my toys if I was going over to a friend's house and then I knew which ones were my toys. And if I left one behind, my friend would say, Fred, you left this behind. Christ wrote his name on you property of Christ. Now that especially happened when you were baptized. But the world hates you because the devil looks over and sees property of Christ and it rubs it in his face. He thought you were his and God said, no, I've worked to make that one mine. And so Christ overcomes this world's baseless hatred for you, a child of God, because He's written his name upon you. And that's why the world hates you. You are a Christian, a Christian, because you now belong to God. And that's the best place to be because he loves you perfectly. Again, in verse 22, Jesus says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Jesus' miracles testified that he was from God. So think about the rejection they had to do. Ooh, he rose Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus ha- is, is back to life. He has to be from God, but this is gonna jeopardize our cush positions. They had to fight really hard to hate him if the Holy Spirit was anywhere near their hearts. Of course, they were slaves to the devil. But, Later, he would send out the disciples to show people their guilt and to show them their savior. Recall at the last half of verse 20, Jesus says, if they held on to my word, they will hold on to yours as well. The greatest way you serve Christ is by trusting in the forgiveness of sins. That's the act of faith, the new man that he's given you. But when you know he's your savior, he's also made you a priest. You get to show people their guilt and you get to show people when when that guilt hits them and they go, what do I do? I'm a slave to the devil, I'm going to hell. You get to say, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See how Jesus has freed you. So you're not of this world because Christ reveals your neighbor's guilt and others guilt and offers salvation through you. When Christ was on the world, he did that himself, revealing it to the disciples, to Nicodemus, to others, and showing them that he's their savior. But now he's ascended and he rules. So he sent out the apostles and he sent out the evangelists. He saw to it that his word was recorded and you have his word. He uses you as his mouthpiece and this is one of the ways we serve him. So we see here, That Christ has overcome death for us, overcoming its baseless hatred by overcoming not just its hatred for God, for himself, but overcoming its hatred for you as a child of God. Yes, this all culminates on Good Friday when he's nailed to the cross. And as we talk about the world's baseless hatred and how vehement it can show it, we think of those words of John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We see Christ's love for the world. We see God the Father's love for the world. And we see the Holy Spirit's love for the world in part of what will be our, our passion history on Good Friday when he is nailed to the cross. Let me read that. It's just a short paragraph. People who passed by kept insulting him, shaking their heads and saying, you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Save yourselves! If you, save yourself if you are the son of God. Come down from the cross. Those who, cru- who were crucified with him also insulted him. Notice it's in the plural. You insult people you hate. But notice it's in the plural. I'll get back to that in a minute. In the same way, the chief priests, experts in the law and elders kept mocking him. They said, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. If he's the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let God rescue him now, if he wants him because he said, I am the son of God. He raised Lazarus, what more proof did they need? They weren't gonna believe in him if he came down from that cross. But if he came down from that cross, he wouldn't have overcome the world's hatred or theirs. We wouldn't have the forgiveness of sins. But here's what I'm building up to. One of the criminals hanging there was blaspheming him, saying, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Hang on a minute. Earlier, both criminals were were insulting him. Now, the one criminal says, don't you fear God since you are under the same condemnation? We are punished justly for we are receiving what we deserve for what we have done, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He got it, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is going to die that day. That thief is going to die that day. And we see God's love overcoming the hatred of the world right there with that criminal on the cross because that criminal had been insulting him earlier on the day. And how does Jesus respond to his request? Jesus said to him, amen I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The same goes for you and I who in our natural condition would only hate Jesus, but now because of his love, we love him. Christ overcomes death for us. Overcoming its baseless hatred by overcoming its hatred for God and by overcoming its hatred for you, making you a child of God. Amen. Now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen.